Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am thrilled to be having a conversation with the wise Elise Brathwaite. Elise is the founder and CEO of the Unity Consciousness Collective, a truth activist, modern-day oracle, and spiritual facilitator with over 25 years experience in the mystical arts and almost a decade worth of experience in spiritual response therapy. Elise offers sessions, classes, workshops, and tools to help people remove energetic and past life blocks so they can experience spiritual ascension and live a limitless and thriving life of passion and purpose. Welcome Elise to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm so excited for our listeners to hear your medicine wisdom. And I'd love to hear your answer to the first question I ask all my guests, which is what does it mean to you, Elise, to be a modern mystic? Oh, beautiful. I love, I'm very excited for this question. So I think for me, the modern mystic is that understanding that there is more than meets the eye. There's possibly even a relationship with that piece that is more than what meets the eye. It's about the understanding that there's much that you know, and there's even more that you don't know. And that there's an invitation to be in relationship with both parts of that and to be in the discovery and in the contemplation of the parts of life and yourself that you don't know. And with that is also, and I think the big thing for me is not just about stepping into those realms of what people would call like esoterics or the mystical arts, but also that you understand that once you know, for me, this is the real modern day mystic is that once you know, once you gain some form of wisdom and you understand some of the operations of or how to operate and manipulate the energetics of the unseen is that you anchor that into your reality. So for me, a modern mystic is really somebody who understands the spiritual realms and knows how to anchor it into their reality. Mm, So eloquent. And I love the word you use about discovery because I feel like you really touched on in your answer so much of what is true, which is what makes the mysticism and the and the integration of that into our day-to-day life so exciting because it's a process of discovery. And as you so beautifully put it, how there's so much more that we actually don't know. Mm-hmm. And we learn to harness, as you said, the energetics and work and so much of what I try to offer in this podcast are concrete ways to work with knowing how to operate the energetics of things, as you put it. And then also, it's so exciting because it's limitless, right? Our quest and knowledge for doing this work. It really is limitless. I always say there's three truths. There's what you know, there's what you know you don't know, and there's what you don't know that you don't know. (laughs) 
be able to ebb and flow between all three of those aspects of self is where the real magic happens and where the real expansion happens. And the, you know, we say to people, it's about being able to sit into the, the question, the question of life, the question of self, the question of what is. And I, I had a teacher at one point say that the question, if you break it down, is the quest I on, right? Mm. So life is to be in the question and the, the quest that you are on is to be in the question, you know, and to really remain in there and to experience the expansion of yourself when you move past those limitations that were on you, you know, even just one minute ago and to experience that expansion. And then I feel like it's so quick to instantly be in the energy of like, well, if I didn't know this, what else do I not know? Right. And might in the next unknown. I also say there's beautiful space and time for integration. That's the important piece what I was speaking about being able to tether it into your reality, not just being so spiritually hungry that you're constantly searching. There's very difference between sitting in the question and searching and being able to anchor it into your life to be able to uh, manipulate your life and form it, shape it into what you truly desire and what you're truly here for. So... Mm. Oh my goodness. There was like a thousand things I loved about everything you said and so many directions we could go, but I love and want to just really articulate for the listeners that brilliance of the quest, John, the quest I on, like the quest I on, I be on. That's so fabulous. And I love what you talked about in the way of being in the question, but that's not always the seeking or struggle. There's a peace even when we say like, I don't know. And that's how we start to know, right? In so many different traditions, particularly in my original main squeeze tradition that I was steeped in as a child, which is the tantric yoga tradition, that lineage and so many others around the globe start with the questions. It said those, those philosophies and paths and lineages and spiritualities and even religions, right? They start with the questions, those basic like, who am I? Why am I here? Right? in the living of the questions, there's the discovery of, of the mystery. And the other thing I loved about what you said too, in practical relationships, is how you said, like when you're experiencing the expansion of self due to being with the questions, and then of course, like you said, integrating and digesting. But when we do that, then we allow ourselves to grow and be changed in that expansion. And then we don't expect others to be the same. You know, mm. then we have like the sense that the other people who are around us are growing too. And we don't have to treat everyone as they were five years ago or a year ago, particularly those who hurt us or we have rifts with. And it's interesting because I think one of the challenges for so many people in, I'm going to say even, let's say, starting a spiritual journey or stepping into the world of the unseen or, you know, starting to embrace this other side of themselves is exactly that is the reality that, you know, you might start on a trajectory of self discovery, self inquiry, sitting in the question, and somebody that you love will not. And inevitably, there will be a shift in the relationship, a shift in, in the dynamic, because as I always say, it's kind of like we're all a, a cast of characters in each other's lives. You know, if you picture everybody having a script, you know, I'm going to need you to help me learn boundaries, let's just say, 
you know, and so you're going to constantly have somebody pushing you and pushing your boundaries and pushing you. And then eventually you kind of, you shift through that, you move through that, you sit in the question of why, why are boundaries hard for you? And you start to realize where that stems from and where it's rooted from and what you observed as a child and all these different things, possibly even do some past life work on that. And then all of a sudden, this individual that's been in your life and that you might even love and appreciate and all this is that I don't need you in that role anymore. I don't need that anymore. And so now there became becomes almost like a discord in the relationship because it's either, you know, you're not shifting, you're not changing your role. So the only option is that I reassume my old role and I'm not willing to do that. And so I feel that a lot of people are apprehensive even to stepping into this journey or even moving to the next leg of their own journey, even if they've started, because there's a unconscious awareness that my relationships will shift. The people around me and how I need them to show up for my own growth will shift. And it might also mean they'll shift out of Mm. my experience. And that tends to be an unconscious fear for people. And yet it is part of the reality. And yet if we also lean into just what that means, you know, we can sit into the fear of, oh, I'm going to lose people, although you're not really losing anything. You're also going to help a lot of people grow and change and evolve. But you're also going to gain, you're going to gain so many new connections, so many new people in your life that will be that next leg. And it's not, and also I always say to people, the invitation for those that were in your life before to walk the journey with you is always there. That's there, right? So juicy. Thank you for, for just piggybacking right onto that. And then just really unpacking that so deeply and profoundly because it is so true so many people right initially have that unconscious fear or I find with my clients you know they they start to get in the process of spiritual quote-unquote awakening or deepening and then they actually get very fearful consciously they start to you know get anxiety about it because like you're saying they notice the relationship dynamics that they've been participating in around them and they're no longer interested in perhaps dancing in the same way and i find that and i'm curious with you and your work and your personal life and or professional life i found so many times that energetically in my own path either one the universe just bounces people like all of a sudden someone will just like disappear from my life they move or whatever like you know it's just like energetically all of a sudden it's out of alignment to such that a someone just gets somehow removed from my sphere or b if you make the choice as you're saying to do that conscious work to end that say pattern of you know not putting up good boundaries or having too strong boundaries you know use the example of boundaries whatever it is with someone and you start treating them from a different vantage point, the other thing that I find is that other people start responding to you differently. Your relationship is different, and they're no longer who you thought they were in this respect too. Like you're both elevated. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I I talk about that often is, are they truly like that, or are you actually still creating the ceiling for them and unwilling to see them in any other way? Bam. So good, right? <laughs> In our own ceilings, we also put ceilings on other people. And so that's, it's a very, again, sitting in the question, you know, I often say to people like, everything we see is real and nothing we see is real. Right? So mm-hmm. it's about 
really being in that relationship of like, okay, so, you know, this, this, whatever frustration or challenge I'm having in this relationship is absolutely a reflection of something that's going on within me. So, you know, what, what story do I want to tell myself about this situation or this relationship? So they are unstuck. They are unmovable. They are, they will never change. Right. So then I'm like, okay, circle that back. How am I stuck? How am I unmovable? How am I unwilling to change or possibly to, to witness somebody else's change or to give them the space to change. So yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic and it takes a lot of rigor, a lot of self-awareness. And again, a lot of practice in, in the realm of understanding your relationship with the universe. You're relating to everything in the universe, every human, every animal, every wind that brushes across your cheek. And you are the one who gets to decide and give meaning to it. And so when you pause for a moment in your own tracks and go, okay, I'm doing that thing, you know, I'm deciding and I'm telling a story. It's really the opportunity to look at, so why am I telling the story? What does that story feed? And, you know, what's the same way it's a story. What story do I want to tell instead? So many really juicy examples. So thank you for how to ask the questions, because that's what we're circling back to, right? Mm -hmm. How to ask the questions and why the questions are so important and midwife these spiritual revelations when we do that deep psycho-spiritual work. Love that so much. And really what you said about understanding, you know, our relationship with the universe, you know, with everything in the universe and how everything and every moment in our experience really is a reflection back to ourselves. Just to recap that, because I think that a lot of people on a path of evolution, you know, kind of quote unquote, know that, you know, oh, like everything on the outside is a reflection on the inside, you know, but Mm -hmm. it almost at times can be, I think, trivialized and sound trite to that Mm -hmm. like intellectual knowing, but, but then people walk around suffering so much, not actually putting that into practice. So I love Mm -hmm. how you talked about the questions and how we can let those reflections of interactions we have with others refract back to us if you will reflect back to us and then how then we can pause it you know certain questions to do that deep work because it's just Mm -hmm. so true and the opposite of trite absolutely and you know I think you bring up a really good point there it's it's something that I um, definitely like in my programs and when I work with people that is part of my mission is to bring people out of this space of you know, just knowing something or thinking they know, right, just having information, and, you know, even regurgitating the information, but never actually anchoring it, which again, goes back to what is the modern mystic, it's somebody who knows and anchors it. And it brings me to, you know, something I have up on my wall, it's something I share all the time, which is the Buddhist proverb of uh, to know and not do is still not yet to know. Mm. And it, when oh. we really anchor into that, right? It, it, it takes us down a whole journey of even what is evolution, spiritual evolution, ascension, which is moving anything, anything like if we just take, you know, let's take it out of even though I would say all of life is spiritual, no matter what it is you're doing. But, you know, if you're in school for something, and you're learning it out of the book, at that moment, you have information, that's all you have until you start applying the information. Yeah, so the more you have knowledge or, or information and you, the more you apply it, it's going to move into knowledge. The more you apply your knowledge, it moves into wisdom. And that's where what really lends to this, this again, 
this statement of truth for me, definitely universal truth that to know and not do is still not yet to know. It's that whole, do I know all these things and I know there's spirituality and I know I'm in the relationship with the universe, but I'm not applying it in any way. So that, that's the doing, that's the actualizing, right? That's what we're here to do is to actually actualize what we know. And that's how we truly know. How do we truly know? Well, it's because I've actualized it. I've experienced it. And I'm mm. speaking from experience. I'm not. And I think we can all understand that, right? When people uh, say like, well, I want somebody who's who's actually done this. <laughs> I want to work with somebody who has actually attained this goal that I want. Because they will be speaking from lived experience, not from well, from what I hear, you know, in a book, and I've read and secondhandedly what somebody else has said, not that I'm saying that doesn't bring inspiration, but it certainly doesn't bring the same ability to actualize, right? So, so true, so yeah, true. We remember that is that, you know, move shifting these things that we know out of just concepts. There's a whole program that I'm part of that we teach an entire weekend on living your life through everything just being a concept. Oh, this is the concept mm -hmm. of anger. This is the concept of frustration. This is the concept of joy. It's about understanding you're the, you're the one, you're the witness, and you're deciding this joy is good, this joy is bad, this anger is good, this anger is bad. And if we lived from that space of everything is actually just a concept, and we are deciding and in relationship with that concept, we really get to shift our life from that place, really get to shift our life from that place. But it requires that type of work and it requires that type of rigor truly rigor and I think for me as well I spoke to it a little bit earlier about like I, I really believe life life everything in life doing the dishes is holy and spiritual and mystical if you allow it to be is that we are so often searching for those like those moments those retreats those meditations that take us out out of our life really and help you know we feel this experience with spirit or with consciousness, with the universe, and there's an opportunity to feel that in truth in in everyday life. And that is such a rich and divine and opulent experience that we're all really here to experience. It's part of our spiritual birthright. So, you know, there's work required for that, but it's work that's well worth it. So rich, so, so, so incredibly vivid and helpful and Yes, my passion in life is to help people embody their mysticism. And I love what you said. And, and it's, you know, when I've heard you, I was like, oh, I have to have her on right away. Because I think that it's something that myself and others, when someone is talking about these things and they feel osmotically, mm -hmm. totally that that person is living it. You can, you can just tell. You can just completely tell when, you know, people are really, you know, most of the time, I think, speaking about these things from a place of having lived experience of it. And like you said, not just the concepts. And that's the tricky thing about, you know, spiritual circles, mystic circles, psychological circles. It can get so cerebral. And like you said, information is so important. And we're in this information Aquarian age, which is an amazing gift. Mm -hmm. But the gift is only opened, the package is only unfurled, if, as you beautifully put it, take that information and process it through practices and embodied living until it's knowledge, and then eventually turn it into wisdom. 
it's so important what you said, because I think a lot of people hang out in, you know, the information realm and then, you know, we're trying to figure out ways to, to digest it deeper. And that's where you and I hopefully come in. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. one of the things that I really wanted to talk with you about, and I think our listeners will be riveted, is your expertise of helping folks remove past life blocks, because you hit on that for a second. And it's such a fascinating topic. I've had several listeners the last two months ask me to make more content about accessing past lives and past life regression practices. And I was curious, what are some clues in your mind that people can look for to know that a block or situation they're experiencing has to do with a past life issue? Do you have any simple practices like one to two mystic hacks that you could offer for people to connect with their past life experiences with the intention to heal or work with them? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. I mean, it's for me, it's such an important topic because what I witness is so many people continuing to struggle or meet challenge a similar challenge time and time again. And they're using all of their, you know, their life force to meet this thing and clear this thing and heal this thing. And it's not rooted here, you know? And so that's where they will mm -hmm. continue to meet that challenge. So what I would say to people is the first thing is if you have a, a, a strong sense of inner dialogue is to ask the question, <laughs> just simply ask, is this now or is this past? Like truly just ask and then trust what comes up. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to know what are all the details of the piece of the past, but just ask. Like, let's just start there. Like, is this of this lifetime or is this a past experience? Just like we can ask, is this mine or is this my ancestors? Mm-hmm. Totally. And then the second thing that I would say is exactly kind of what I was speaking to is if it appears to be something that you are willing to meet, that you have met several times in your life, I call them kind of themes where you're like, you know, doesn't matter how much work I do. I just always have this fear of showing up. I just kind of always want to just sit in the background a little bit, or I always want to make other people comfortable and, and you know, not have the attention on me. Or I'm always facing this, these challenges where I bring in unavailable partners and it's like different person, same story, right? Different time, same outcome. Those types of things, that's kind of your signal that you're, you're playing something out. It's kind of like a record, right? And this thing is on repeat. And, and that generally is not rooted here. It's not rooted here. So I'd say the first thing is to just ask and see, like, if you've got a, a keen sense of self and listening, and then again, detaching from what it, you needing to know what that is. And then it might require you working with somebody who is adept at working with past lives and working in Akashic Records. And, you know, even working in Akashic Records, it that's kind of a, a challenge, not a challenging one for me, but there's nothing wrong with working in the Akashic Records because I do believe that even just having the information of what's gone on in past lives can be helpful. The challenge and where people will even ask me, what's the difference between what, what you do is that I'm not really here to just tell you the story. Oh, you were wonderful and you were a queen and you lived in Egypt and you know, like that's not, or even, even the bad things like this is what happened and somebody died and it can bring understanding. But what we're really actually looking for is what are the energies? Because as we know, energy is not created or destroyed. It's only transformed. So whatever happened, whenever it happened, 
negative energy or discordant energy was was or energy was transformed into negative at that time and that's what continues to play out and find us because it's not created or destroyed so we reincarnate we come back and we incarnate with similar soul groups again or we inca- incarnate with a opportunity to complete a certain lesson or i call it soul curriculum and it's an invitation oh yeah but before i get to that let's not forget that you know, I was harmed for speaking my truth, or I was, you know, shunned from my family and rejected when I had a spiritual awakening. Okay, so no kidding, maybe we don't want to come out of the spiritual closet, or maybe, oh, no kidding, we don't want to come out of the sexual closet, or maybe we don't want to speak our truth because we're just absolutely terrified and, and it will not make any logical sense to you, perhaps right? It might also make logical sense where you're like, yeah, I had a very domineering, you know, family upbringing. And but that's just where you brought it in right from the get go, you're like, I'm going to not only experience it spiritually, but I'm going to have this sitting in my my body memory, and even in my body armoring. And so I can really, you know, anchor to this experience and really clear it once and for all. So what I would say is ask, you know, first question is just ask. And then the second is, if it seems to be something I always say to people, if, if you can answer this, does it feel sticky? <laughs> it's always my word. Does this feel sticky? And if they're like, yes, it just seems like I cannot figure it out. I can't pinpoint it. That's how you know it's not. That's It's definitely rooted in past life. Definitely. Mm, so good. So brilliant. And I love what you said about asking. And just to clarify for our listeners, you know, of course, when you do that kind of work, you want to carve out time by yourself where you're not infusing your energy with other people's energy. So you want a quiet space when you're asking, especially if you're not as fluent in this work, you know, a quiet space, a space that you elevate your energy. It's calling called, which means like you can light a candle, you can dance, you could sing, you know, just getting in a space of a little bit of openness. And then often my clients and people I work with will say, well, I I didn't hear a voice. I didn't hear something. And then when I go a little deeper with them, they heard their own voice say yes or no. They had a, their own feeling. But a lot of times people don't trust that. They think it's like a voice that should sound like some other voice, you know, like spirit would be serious or, you know, whatever. So trust, like you hear yes, you hear no, you hear it in your voice. That's it. That's the answer. Correct. Would you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. That's <laughs> so beautiful. I, I talk to people that all the time, like, well, how do you hear spirit? You know, and I'm like, well, there's, that's, that's a whole other thing, but you're absolutely right. Most of the time, everyone, and just think about it. Think about what your ego would do if it was some big, you know, strong voice showing up in your consciousness, you would lose it, right? The ego you would freak the, out. You would freak <laughs> out. You would not know what to do with that, right? So exactly. it, it always is in your voice. I do tell people though, the one way to differentiate between whether it's you speaking or like your guides or consciousness is that you will often speak in like an, I should go do this. I should really, whatever. And your guides will speak in you. You should go do this. That's really good. I've, I've had that experience, but not had anyone say that aloud. So thank you. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's true. Or, or when, when it feels like they're really paired to you, you might even get your full name, like Elise. <laughs> exactly. Or like the imperative form, like I get go do this do that, you know, act, you know, sing this, do this, write this, whatever. And the imperative verb. I should write this, right? That's just you or not just you, but that's an important piece too. But when it's directive, like you or go do this, that's definitely 
indication from spirit, indication from your guide saying, go do this thing. Go Fabulous. make this, send this email. Yeah. Yeah. Magnificent. Now for our listeners who don't know what the Akashic records are, which a lot of people will, but do you mind just giving a little quick download about that? So people have that context, please. Yeah, absolutely. So your Akashic records are essentially a, like a library of all of the lifetimes that you have experienced. So the, it's like a place where your records are kept. And, and the reason for that is much like memories, you know, you, we have memories, we have memories that we have sitting in our subconscious that we don't even remember that we have, but they're there, is the Akashic records are the memories of the soul. So all the lifetimes, all the universes that you've lived in, it's everything that is present in the soul's experience. And, and again, I'm going to say good or bad, even though technically there is no good or bad or right or wrong, but it all sits there and it holds, it holds the memory. So, you know, if you're thinking about going to do something, whatever it might be, and somebody's like, wow, like you were really good at that. And you're like, yeah, like I felt natural at that. Right. It's like, where did you just pull from? You've never done something or experienced it before. It's like you tend to pull from those records. You're pulling from a deeper wisdom that that resides in your soul, not necessarily from this lifetime or this current lived experience, but from your soul. And so the Akashic records hold all of that. We have uh, record keepers that kind of also, I sometimes see them like just bringing them forward. Like this is what we're working on right now. This is what we're healing. This is what we're clearing. When I see them there, it's kind of like a golden library and they're very, it's luminous. Like it's a very, very energetic space, very energetic space. That's all of the, the wisdom is kept. The experiences are kept. And if you can imagine that you could not write out any of your lifetimes because everything is so dynamic and so enmeshed that there's not really words to describe it. So if you imagine these books that are being held, they hold the energy, they hold the experience, they hold the understanding versus, and in this lifetime, I did this and that, and my name was like, that's not really what it's about, right? So yeah, it's essentially this beautiful space that's held in the realms of consciousness, and they hold all of your own records, your own files, your own learnings, the things that you're currently working on. Yeah, it's a place definitely where your your wisdom and how you gained the wisdom is kept. And it's a place for you to go and access even those like oldest, most ancient parts of you. And I, again, I give people the example of when you think about often people will have this experience where they're just so drawn to go to a, a particular part of the world or they are so already connected to a particular part of the world and they kind of don't have understand it. I don't know why I'm so connected to Egypt. I don't know why I just love everything about um, Latin music and food and the dance, right? And you're like, I'm not Latin, but I'm just so connected. And it's because that's part of your soul that's just kind of trickling through and bringing in those memories of, of those times and those spaces where you once lived. So all of that is held in your Akashic Records. That was so gorgeous. And yes, thank you, because it's so true. Like when I work with my clients and students, those impulses we have towards, like you said, other cultures, you know, other systems of thought, you know, whatever it is, other countries, I really feel like they're breadcrumbs of the universe when we have large impulses and connections to them to seek them out. Because like you said, they absolutely, in my mind, our connections to past lives. And when we move towards them, if we have that inkling to do so, that's often how we can heal. 
some kind of main theme from a past life, don't you think? Absolutely. I often will say to people too, when they're like, I don't really know why I'm called there, you know, and I often say, well, you're every time, every time we bring our earth star to another, even part of our own city or our own country or whatever, but, and especially when we travel, especially across water is that you're activating parts of you that are ready to be remembered. And again, that's all held in those Akashic records, right? And that's regardless, even if, if, if that place or that, you know, country is even named the same thing that it, it was then, right? Like this is about the soul remembers, the soul remembers. Exactly. The soul remembers. And it's so just profound what you said as well in this work of really getting to those fundamental kind of common denominational themes that we all possess. Because I feel like everyone, right, has quote unquote their baggage of things like that spiral staircase where like, it's like, okay, here I am again. And I want to go higher on the staircase and get a different vantage point, but I'm still dealing with this similar karmic theme. You know, I have yet to really meet a human that doesn't have a few main themes that they are working with this lifetime. And as you said, they so often, I feel like almost always do stem from past lifetimes because, you know, in my experience and mind, you know, we've all been here in the past. And so how compassionate to allow yourself to open up to this possibility if you haven't, or to go deeper in this exploration to say, okay, these issues that I have too, I've brought them in. So you can say to yourself so sweetly, so compassionately, okay, you know, this is hard and I'm carrying this from another lifetime. And maybe I had an experience in a relationship that surely enhanced and increased this load. And yet understanding that like my soul has been carrying this theme for many lifetimes. And so we can almost soften and be sweeter with ourselves knowing this and then, you know, getting support and seeking the answers to help work with heal and transform. And really, you know, because when I'm speaking to these aspects of life tend to be more difficult, these, you know, quote unquote baggage or these karmic lessons, you know, and so you spoke to the gifts, you know, if we have a gift from another lifetime and, you know, the ease, we don't always focus on so much because it's ease and we get these gifts and we have this quote unquote good karma from other lifetimes and superhero powers, etc. But something that I love about your work is you talk about, which I so much believe about too, and we're really pinpointing with this conversation, how this baggage or, and challenges or karma or whatever you want to call it in the way of semantics are really ways that we suffer that we don't have to be suffering when we see that they're all truly grist for the mill and really there for our complete expansion and and unfurling. So can you speak to this, please? Because I feel like often, too, in these spiritual circles, we get into what I call spiritual amnesia, where, you know, we've got the, the suffering and the challenges living in our Akashic records and we have this forgetfulness, you know, and what are some key ways that you support your students and yourself to remembering this, to staying awake, particularly if we're in crisis or we're going through a particularly hard time? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's a great question. Um, and probably one of the most important ones because you know what it's all 
fun and games until it's not fun and games, right? So it tends to be what throws a lot of people off of like, well, it was fine being spiritual and believing in this until things got real and this became hard and whatever. So I think it's an important thing to speak to. So, you know, the first thing I'll say to that is in no ta- in no space and time has any part of our soul curriculum ever been to suffer. So I'll start there. That, that generally will have a lot of people going like, what? But, but truly, like, it's not part of our soul curriculum to suffer. Like, there's, we have other things, like we have to have soul curriculum of self-punishment to understand what that's like, right? We have to understand responsibility. We have to understand appeasement. We have to understand codependency. There's many major life themes that are part of our soul curriculum, which means it's part of our soul expression. It's part of how we become a more well-rounded soul and how we move along in our spiritual um, process of ascension. Suffering is not one of them. Suffering is what is truly created as part of the human experience. And suffering is, in essence, our attachment to outcome. So where, you know, Kikani spoke to suffering sitting in the Akashic record. So what I would say to that, it's not so much that suffering is, it's that we still are holding an attachment to an outcome that's actually already done. It's already done. That's so true. It's so, so well put. Yeah, we're holding an attachment or we, oh, it shouldn't have happened like that or it shouldn't have gone like that. So first of all, it already has, <laughs> it's already done. And so really what's happening in those moments where we are, you know, replaying or in, in, in the suffering, we are still attached to the outcome. We don't like what the outcome was. We didn't want it to be that is that we are harming ourselves by staying in that suffering. But additionally, what's also happening is we are denying ourselves the gift of the lesson. And so when I, when I do these sessions with people, I'm always saying, and the reason we are clearing this isn't just to go, cool, I had this lifetime and I was this and you were that and this happened. And often people, you know, because we do like the stories, let's be honest, we do. <laughs> but it's the energies that we're really speaking to. And I'm always trying to anchor people into like, what is the gift? So I'm going to give you an example. I'm just kind of being guided to give an example. So often I'll work with people, let's say, who are, well, let's say are leaders or possibly aren't, aren't totally wanting to take on that role of leader or, um, you know, and that can show up in different ways. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to use their voice. They don't want to launch the program. Like it's a variety of different ways. They don't want to actually let people know that they have a healing practice, like different ways, right? The past life comes up, they're in a role of leader. And possibly in that past life that they were leading people and everyone ended up getting harmed. And so now the soul has decided that they're not a good leader. Don't trust me to lead. I was leading you all and you were all harmed. Mm -hmm. So that's the attachment to outcome right there was. uh, So the soul, so not the soul, but the human, the ego, the energy that was created in this realm was that I I'm, I'm living out my soul purpose. I'm meant to lead. And in the human aspect, and I've decided that if I leave and lead and I say yes, that all things will be wonderful and good. <laughs> and doesn't turn out that way. And so now the, the soul or more so like the egoic self has been like, this was bad. This is not good. You know, this was detrimental. Perhaps it was me. Perhaps I wasn't doing a good job leading. Actually, perhaps I wasn't even connected to spirit. And we start to go th- down those egoic patterns of, of thinking and self-destruction. So those energies are what are currently sitting in the earth realm, those energies. So they don't actually go back with your soul. 
They sit in the earth realm. So now the soul says, okay, I'm going to incarnate again. And I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to lead. I'm going to, in whatever way that is, you might, it might be in your job. It might be that I'm going to lead my family out of a religious belief system into a more spiritual belief system, whatever it is, I'm going to lead. Okay, great. And then all of a sudden you're doing your thing and you're like, man, this, you know, this leading thing's hard. And I feel a lot of apprehension and I can feel that I'm being called, but oh, like, I just don't want to do it. And so when we go into these sessions and we'll start to realize, okay, well, there was self-punishment. There was fear. There was hate of self. There was all of these energies. There was spiritual suicide that happened in that, disconnecting from spirit. There was self-destruction, self-limitation, all got caused strictly because the, the egoic self decided that it didn't do its job correctly. Because here's the other interesting thing. This is where we move into this conundrum is that we actually, somewhere in our consciousness, we actually always know that we're here for spiritual evolution and consciousness. And we believe that that needs to look a certain way for that to happen. So I often say it's like we're in that struggle with duality. So part of my highest self knows that no matter what I do, this is for spiritual evolution and the evolution of consciousness. Great. Okay. So, and I've attached the outcome of that is, and it better look like this. It's going to look wonderful. It's going to be blissful. Everyone's going to be happy and smiling. Right. And then that doesn't happen. You're like, I must have failed. So what it is now, the souls come back in, say, okay, I'm leading again. I'm here to learn this aspect of leadership. And the feelings and the energies are all coming in. And sometimes people even have like, I have no reason to feel this. Everybody in my life supports me. Everybody in my life encourages me. And that even makes it even more like, why am I, why am I so blocked? Why am I doing this? And so when we go back into these records and into these lifetimes and we see, oh, okay, well, this happened. Like you led people and everybody died. They didn't die because of you. You believe they died because of you, but they didn't die because of you. And we start to do that healing with the soul and the soul. I always get this visual of the soul and almost like the soul and that past life version of you looking at it from that space of, oh, that's what happened. But additionally, not only does the soul get the higher perspective view of it all and is able to reconcile and now be at peace with the end result and isn't attached any further to what did or didn't happen. But additionally, the soul is also able to remember that everybody agreed. And that's probably the biggest piece yeah. is that whether you've hurt somebody or whether you've been hurt is that there were agreements in place. And again, I'll give you an example is that if somebody was like, okay, okay, guys, we're going in for end of times. Who wants to, who wants to incarnate? Okay. And you know, these souls all say, I'll go, I'll go. And they say, okay, we're going to need somebody to lead. And you know, everyone's like, Ooh, wow. That's not going to end well. Okay. Well, I'm not attached to it because we're totally just in this energy of love. And you know, I'll lead. I've got enough experience in leadership. I've done enough lifetimes in leadership. I've moved up along the way of my spiritual ascension. I'm, you know, I'm reaching ascended master, which also means that I have enough lifetimes that will counterbalance this experience. You know what? I'll lead. No problem. And everyone's like, fantastic. Now we all get to go in for the things we're here to learn as well, because somebody has agreed to lead. So now everybody incarnates. And again, the leader still holds the energy of like, oh, I failed. But once you're in that higher perspective, you're like, not only did I not fail, not only did I not fail, but I actually led 
I gave everyone the opportunity for exactly what they were there to learn. And what I mean by that, it's like, what if those people, when you were leading, even though the end result was going to be death, what if those people were there to learn trust? What if people were there to learn sovereignty? What if somebody's like, I don't want to, I don't want to follow you anymore. You're like, perfect, fantastic. You get, you know, you get to continue on. What if somebody else was there to learn following blindly where they had their own intuition to leave and they didn't? Like we are constantly in relationship with each other and helping each other weave and navigate the the lessons that we're all here to learn. And by lessons, I don't mean this like you're here to learn a lesson. I mean curriculum, the things we're here to learn. And so when one person steps up and says, and this is the definition of leader for me, says, I'll go first. Everybody else gets to also have their experience. So when we're clearing and those dynamics that, you know, we were just speaking of is that we are able to then release, you know, the attachment to outcome, not only from that past life, but guess what? Also this lifetime, we start to be able to move through the experience that we are currently in going, you know what? I'm detaching from outcome. I understand that I'm here to lead, but I'm not here to be the savior of anyone. I'm here. I understand that I'm here to lead, but I'm actually not responsible for anyone so all of a sudden people will start to experience in their life that they're not appeasing people they're not people pleasing they're not sacrificing they have better boundaries and all of that just came from releasing these lifetimes where we believed we failed in leadership and we actually are now restored in our ability to lead and restored in our ability to have all those other things. Like I said, boundaries and focus and self-care, even in the role of leadership. I know that was long-winded, but I hope that made sense. <laughs> no, completely. It was very copacetic and, and really, really helpful, I think. Yes, very, very fecund. So what are some things that people can do in the way of looking at their pattern, so to speak, in this lifetime to kind of get to the heart of the kind of fundamental issue that they might be bringing from a past life here, if that makes sense. You know, because I feel like a lot of people have like smaller things like, well, this person always asked me to clean up after myself and that annoys me and, and everyone in my family is trying to control me, right? And so what are either the questions or... The, the sort of um, tips you have to kind of try to get more to the root of those things that we can then work on, you know, a theme, so to speak, of our life that we can have that transformation and breakthrough? Yeah, for sure. So that's a great question, actually. So there's, there's a feeling kind of into three things. So the first thing would be, if you're experiencing challenges in your life, I would look for what is the common thread? So generally speaking, when you have a theme that's coming up for you, you're going to see it in many areas of your life, many, right? So, you know, let's say it's self-worth, right? And you're like, okay, so, you know, I, I, I really want my parents to be happy with me. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but now you're seeing it in, okay, and you know, like I can't find a loving, supportive relationship and uh, I put up with crap. Okay, there's another piece there. And, uh, you know, I'm doing really good at work, but I never seem to be the one that gets the raise. It's like, okay. So there's three main things there that are, you know, kind of showing up and you're like, what's the common theme, right? So if you start to thread them, you're like, and, and what I invite people to say is like, how does it make you feel, right? So it makes me feel like crap. It makes me feel not good enough. It makes me feel not important, like whatever that is. So you start to anchor 
into those feelings and you start to recognize, oh, those are all the same different scenarios, but it's triggering the same energies for me. And I always say it's kind of like a lighthouse. The lighthouse is going out, but also the light is inside. So it's it's anchoring into that trigger point to say, look at this, please. Look at this, please. Time to heal this. Time to let this go. So that's one of the ways. The second, and, th- and that I would like to say for those that are, you know, maybe a little bit more practiced in self-contemplation and kind of some of this inner work is the conscious, we have, we run our lives at about 10% in our conscious mind, 90% sits in our subconscious. And then I always say like, and then a million percent sits in our soul consciousness. So <laughs> if you've done the work to start to bring forward, right, things from the unconscious into the consciousness. So meaning, okay, so I have a hard time speaking up, let's just say, okay, good. And you start to realize that, okay, well, I can understand why, you know, I was the middle child and, you know, I had an older brother and an older younger sister. And so like, you know, my voice wasn't often, often heard. Okay, cool. You start to bring forward more of the subconscious. Actually now come to think about it. Many of the women in my, my family didn't really speak up and I kind of watched certain things happen where, you know, they were kind of, you know, put beneath them. A thumb. Okay, all right, that makes sense. So you're starting to pull all that forward. You have an awareness of what's happened in this lifetime. Then from that space, if you are like, okay, I'm aware, like there's an awareness. I always say you cannot change anything in the octaves of learning on a spiritual level. You cannot change anything until you are aware. So I'm aware that I am blocked to speaking my truth because I'm a middle child, because the women in my life didn't really do that. And I'm making conscious efforts to recognize that that exists there or that was what I witnessed, but it doesn't have to be part of my now. And if at that point you're still not noticing shifts, it's like, hmm, what else is there? What else might this actually be trickling in from my soul consciousness and, and has probably always been present, illuminating and, and, and um, coursing through my entire life. So that would be the other thing. So for people who are already like doing the work and not even already, even if you're you know new to that, it's that, okay, I have an awareness of this, this and this, but it still feels like it's something else. That's definitely, again, where you would want to recognize that hmm, this is m- like 100% something rooted in past life. Mm-hmm. So helpful. That was fabulous. Yeah. And so the last piece that I would recommend is to pay attention to your dreams. A a lot of people will actually see their own past lives and even experience them or even almost like have flashbacks like, whoa, I totally remember this place. And I feel like I was here and I was wearing this and they'll just kind of blah, blah, blah. And they'll just like, let it all out. They have this memory. And when those things arise, you know, I mean, not every single one of them needs to be discovered but especially if it feels like it's kind of hanging and lingering and you're like I feel like there's something there I gotta I need to investigate then then that I would definitely recommend because much like the subconscious trickles into the consciousness so does the soul consciousness so does the memory so I often say you know when people meet somebody for the first time they're like I just feel like I know you right definitely you've got a past life connection there but we can have that in many different situations like oh my gosh I saw myself on a stage and I saw this isn't happening and you know I think that's why I'm not getting on a stage okay well let's look into that so following your own that own memory that's actually flowing through a lot of people a lot of people have this they people talk about being a kid and I had this memory 
as a kid that I, that I, this, or that I, that, or that I lived in this time or that I knew for sure I was, you know, an Egyptian or whatever it is. And so I often say like, just like follow those, you know, follow those uh, nuggets that are given to you when they appear in your life and and allow, allow yourself to be kind of healed. And again, I I don't want to say that every memory needs to be a discovery, right? Because some people are like, I remember a lot of my past lives, but particularly if they feel like they're sticky, if particularly if it brought up like an emotion, like, oh, oh, that one's leaving a bit of a lasting effect. Get to work on that one. You don't need it. <laughs> showing up for you, definitely showing up for you uh, to clear and heal. The sooner you do that, the more you're going to get those energies and blocks out of the way. Mm. Mm. So, so profound. And for those listeners who haven't heard, I just dropped an episode the other week called What Dreams May Come, Upgrade Your Dream Life. And I talk about, you know, dreams. And so, of course, we're on the same line of the same page. Um, That's episode 44. And I just, yeah, really honor how you talk about that. What either feels sticky, I feel like, which is such a good way to put it. And and so my experience working with people, what feels Mm -hmm. sticky or what you feel super excited about, you know, and it's, I think the key is following those impulses of spirit, like where your spirit goes, oh, that feels sticky. Or you say, ah, that feels so interesting, exciting, you know, you know, and I feel like it comes back to, to the question, which is, as you put it so wonderfully, right? It's about the universe and our relationship with everything in the universe. And so sweetly you said the wind, the this, the that, understanding that the energy of the universe is one, it's uni, right? And then we have all these different aspects to the universe, just like we have our angry self and our happy self and this and this and that, right? So there are all these facets to exploring our relationship with in the universe. And yet, you know, when we commit to really being present to the energy of our life and how we're feeling with those impulses and how we're feeling with our intuitions, you know, we can then ask the question, okay, this excitement universe, show me, is this something to explore? And the universe will give you a yes or no. Do you find that? Like you can ask the universe, this one energy, okay, help me with this issue of boundaries, you know, and, and is there a certain path I should choose in the way of helping to heal this? And then, you know, you ask, and then I think you'll find that person will appear like Elise may be speaking to you and she becomes your, you know, a mentor and you have a session with her, so to speak. So can you speak to that a little bit and your feelings on that? Uh, about the, the universe kind of responding t- to you, like to your request? Yeah, like how we can ask ourselves and then we can ask too for this kind of work, healing for the universe to show yeah. us paths and, and ways to to work. Yeah, um, I'm so glad you actually brought that up actually because one of the things I wanted to add with with the piece of, you know, if you have a dream or whatever and, and you spoke so beautifully as well to like, and if it excites you, is I really, I truly believe, I know that we are, we are our own healers. We are. So if something comes up and it feels sticky and yucky, I invite everyone to just say, I don't know what time and space this comes from, but I'm asking for it to be healed now. Anything that doesn't serve me, anything that doesn't just, I'm asking for it to be healed now. The universe wants to be in relationship with you. 
Likewise, when it's something that feels wonderful and joyful, what I would say is that felt amazing and it feels like a remembrance and I'm asking to activate all that remembrance in me. All of the good, all of the joy, all of the you know parts of me that were illuminated and excited, I'm asking for those codes to be activated in me. And then, yes, you know, you spoke to to that piece of like, like how to know when to work with somebody. And I think that's exactly it is when we have things, I often say like when it's too close to home, you know, like you, you can't see the forest through the trees, right? It's that whole, like, it's too close. Like, it's like every time you turn, you know, it's there, but it's not quite letting you see it, right? Is that that's when you want to really call on support. That's when you really want to um, say like, I can feel it. I know it's there and I'm I'm moving into that space of allowing somebody else to hold me and to illuminate it because as per usual, we can generally see exactly what somebody else needs to do with their life, right? We can see exactly what would fix somebody's situation. We don't always apply that same, you know, knowing to our own lives. And that would be an example of where and when it will be beneficial to bring somebody in for that support um, for you. And like I said, not to ever minimize your ability to do self-healing, but not to also think that you're the only one that can work, support you because that's something I definitely notice, especially with, um, you know, other healers, other, um, you know, modern mystics and people in the work is often that, um, you know, we have so many tools that we don't, I don't even, don't even want to say that we don't trust other people, but we just kind of feel like I, I should be able to do this. And, you know, what I say to people is, yeah, you, you probably can, but what does it also look like to be in that receiving and to still give to yourself by allowing somebody else to hold you? Mm, right. Because when you're in the receiving, you're also then in the question again. And in the question, Absolutely. right, we're in that place of expansion, that 90% of our consciousness, like you said, that we don't usually tap into. And, you know, the, the, the more as you started this conversation that we don't know, then we actually do know. And it's so brilliant yeah. because I feel like there's kind of almost like two camps and I don't, you know, want to make it so dualistic and, and black and white, so to speak. But I really do, I'm laughing as you're speaking, feel like there are two camps of people that I, that I know and I'm friends with and colleagues with. And it's like the camp, oh, I need a spiritual healer and helper for everything. Like I need to reach yeah. out to someone mystical for everything. And and so it's so sweetly you address that. Like, oh no, you are your own healer. You empower your, you know, yourself because you really do have the power to unlock all the answers, do all the healing work, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the people who, like you said, have feel like they have all the tools, all the spiritual tricks and hacks, and then don't lean on support, you know, and sometimes the universe gives them extreme crisis so that they actually do, right? Exactly. It's wonderful how thank you so much for speaking to both. And another thing I just wanted to highlight for the listeners, because it was so good and you've said so much that's so good. However, a little ways back, you talked about suffering and I just like to keep it so real on this podcast, which is why I love your words and your work to talk about these harder very challenging aspects of spiritual life, which is suffering and how you talk about, talked about how, you know, when we're attached to the outcome, right? That's really so much the heart of why we suffer. So I just want to talk about that in punctuating yeah. our conversation because it's so profound. I know when I was a child in the yoga tradition, there's a adage that talks about our suffering and the root of it is usually a cause of two things. One is attachment and the other is aversion. 
And I think about that almost on a daily basis, you know, when I'm suffering or when people are suffering, not to simplify it, but it can be a really beautiful inquiry, a question. Am I overly yeah. attached to an outcome or conversely, am I avoiding something? And avoidance can be a great cause of suffering too. And so, yeah. I, I mean, and generally we avoid because we're attached to the outcome. Right. right? That's exactly that it. Once we deal with that thing, there's going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a next step. And that's generally what we're avoiding. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I really do. I love this. It's a big conversation in many ways when we talk about the how to's, but it's actually a very simple conversation, really. And it's, it's actually the path of meeting the ego, right? Um, you know, it's, it's never the soul that suffers. It is always the ego that is suffering. And so the ego being attached to the to the outcome and again that sounds so literal like oh it's because I want it to go that way I'll give an example this is one it's a theme that I think many people have been in I know that I either need to have a conversation with my partner or to release my partner or to you know change the way this partnership looks but I'm going to avoid it <laughs> right because I'm attached to the outcome the outcome is that I'm going to have to speak I'm going to have to communicate I'm going to have to use my voice I'm going to have to I'm going to have to acknowledge that my needs are important. I'm going to have to meet my needs. I'm going to have to listen to them. I'm going to have to develop a relationship with myself. Like there's so many other things in there that are part of that step. That's actually what we're avoiding. So we're avoiding listening to ourselves. We're avoiding the fact that we have a need and that we've allowed it to be unmet. We, we are avoiding the self-forgiveness that needs to be done. We're, we're avoiding the understanding of why that is and how the ego has created that system to protect. We're avoiding all of that. We're not really avoiding the action. We're avoiding everything that's required to take the action. Exactly. And what you're speaking to so brilliantly is then it becomes the question of witnessing. And as you're saying, you start to witness yourself doing that and you start to witness yourself. And that's why meditation and practices that we can put in place within our life consistently on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, right? To drop us into that witness space. Then we as mystics and conscious livers on this path start to see the patterns, start to see the thoughts, become witness to them. And then we can shift. And that's embodied mysticism, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, and I, and I say that, you know, there's so many pieces that come with that. Nowadays, we're hearing a lot of information about like the nervous system and all of that. And, you know, it's not just this part of your mind, that's your ego, that's, and I, I'm very big on saying like, your ego is your best friend. You know, this is not about get rid of your ego, release your ego. This is about understand your ego, befriend your ego. It's like, oh, so it's almost like saying your soul has finally fully arrived and you understand these aspects. And now you're going to allow your soul to hold your ego and be patient with your ego and say, thank you for helping me survive. Exactly. Thank you for creating tools the best way you knew how I'm here to hold you now. So we can start to unpack that, not making this ego, your enemy, not making it like, why did, why do I do this? Right. And this ego's little version of you is just like, I'm sorry. I didn't know any other way, you know, 
So it's actually really about befriending the ego. And, and, and I will say it requires, again, it requires work. It requires patience because the ego, and there's an acronym again, you know, I have amazed, so many amazing teachers and mentors over the years, but I shared with me once that it stands for edging God. Yeah, out. I've heard that too. I think I've said that on the podcast too. Isn't that so fabulous? Yeah, it's so great. You know, and it's like, so if you think about that, and of course, that's just not actually possible, right? It's not possible, but it's also about like, but imagine that aspect of you that actually believes that's true, that actually believes that it's alone, that it's not supported, that it's been abandoned, that um, it's it's only got itself to rely on, you know? So any of the defense mechanisms and survival mechanisms that it's created to keep you alive, you know, was actually done out of a form of love. It's, it wasn't really done out of sabotage. It ends up sabotaging you, right? Because you don't need it anymore. But it's about you being able to really look at that. So yeah, like the suffering piece is really, it's really, it's actually our avoidance of ourself. You know, and I would say that when we suffer, I'm going to add this right now, <laughs> is that when we suffer, it's the ego actually screaming out saying, I can't hold this anymore please help me change it. Mm. Please, please help me mm. yeah. see this and find a new path. Yeah. Yeah. So that's if so, we can learn so not, good. that's yeah. so good. It's the ego finally lets go and says, I can't, I can't do I can't stand uh, yeah. this. I can't do this anymore. And it's that surrender to our soul. Like it's you're saying, exactly. so good. Cannot sustain doing it like this anymore. And I need help. Right. So then there's that other part of you that goes into, okay, but I don't know how to help myself. And that's where, like you said, being able to sit and get quiet and say, okay, what do I really need? And what you might really need is to be with yourself. What you might really need is additional support, right? Getting into, you know, working with a, a, a spiritual kind of coach or mentor, um, you know, having a healing session, whatever, sometimes even just reading a book that transforms or listening to an amazing podcast, right? All of these things. All of these things are incremental ways that the soul has created, I always say like mm -hmm. created this curriculum and all these opportunities to lo learn, grow, shift and heal. Um, and, um, and you get to just, you get to be the one that says yes or no. Right. So you get, you're the one who has choice. So yes, I'm going to move through this with gentleness, with compassion for myself or no, I'm going to stay stuck right here and stay, stay in this suffering a little while longer. Right. So it's all about choice. So true. It's so good. So good. I have to ask you one more question that we can keep so brief because I know we're starting to need to close out. But I love to hear you talk briefly about the very taboo subject in spiritual and soulful circles often of money. And because that's one of the things I heard you talk about first when I heard your work and I love your vision and viewpoint on this. So just the idea of how we can come into creating a more harmonious relationship with abundance while maintaining our spirituality to the point where we don't even view perhaps these as separate, particularly if we're women, particularly as healers or teachers. So talk to us please about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think the first thing to kind of illuminate when we're talking about this is, is where we're at in our path of ascension as, as a collective, you know, and it's about understanding what existed in the old format, if you will, and what is the potential for the new. 
So the old system would have us believe that if you're a healer or a medicine woman, that you are meant to give your gifts to your community, to your tribe, to, you know, whatever that was like in whatever the lifetimes, you know. And while that is true, what people are also forgetting is that in those times, the medicine women, the medicine men, they were provided shelter, they were provided food, they did not hunt for themselves, their jobs, their careers, their their gift to their tribes was to be in on the spiritual journey. Their days were spent in ceremony. They were always working for the collective group and the collective group took care of them. That's the part we seem to be missing. Um, so the truth is we've always been in relationship with receiving. It's just the second it turned to this thing called money. And the second this thing turned to like things having a value, right? It used to not be like that. Like if I needed honey and you needed fur, that was a fair trade. It was a fair trade. It didn't matter if you hunted and it didn't matter if I had the bee hive right next to me. What mattered is, oh, I need that and you need that. And so that was a fair energetic trade. But the second this relationship, you know, I'm not going to get too deep down the, you know, the systems and the, the, the patriarchal era, that, but where it was, this was about power and control, right? So how do we control the people and how do we get everybody subscribed to one system that works where few benefit and many don't? So the system now of, of money or finances is exactly that, right? Somebody has decided this thing has this value and we all, whether we agree or not, we pay it. Why? Because we need it. And the other thing is that we have developed a lot less capacity to be uncomfortable in certain ways. So we continue to pay because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We want the thing that we want. We've also been very conditioned to have that, right? To be like, again, we are designed for pleasure. Okay, so it's kind of, kind of a good recipe. We're designed for pleasure. So we'll give them pleasure and it will come at a cost. But then we'll make sure that they're plugged into the system to get the things they need to give the money for the thing that they want for pleasure. Okay, very good system. So this relationship with money, if you start to understand that money is, is just a different form of energetic. So it used to be, you know, buffalo hide and honey and whatever the things were for sustaining life, right? Now it is, and again, you think about all of those things, now it's money. Now it's just money. Now it's cash. So if you can remember that and kind of go, okay, yeah, so let me transition this idea of all those other things into that just being cash. So right now we've been in a relationship with like, I go to work, so I share my life force or my energy or my knowledge or whatever, and I get the energetic exchange of cash, money. So the challenge is, is that Again, even though that is true, we've also been in, in a relationship with somebody else still gets to decide how much of that comes. So, you know, you look at things, kids go to school. Now I have a son who's 19 and, you know, he's looking at, you know, what his starting wage is going to be. Yeah, so now we are in this relationship with money, finances, much like we used to be with all the other things that we needed, but we understood those as energetic exchanges. Now we've been conditioned to believe that we have to do more or be more for what is naturally and rightfully ours as an energetic exchange, um, because it feels as though 
there's certain, you know, powers that hold money. I mean, banks hold money, systems hold money. So the sooner we can kind of, especially right now in this beautiful age of Aquarius, where it's here to break down systems and break through systems to illuminate what's not working and shift us into this new era is now is the opportunity to say, I don't buy into that anymore. So the more you start to understand that, you know, being in receiving is the natural energetic flow that the universe, which by the way, is the supreme being is the supreme system. Um, <laughs> is that. That when you know that is that you're like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to start to um, align myself with that truth, the universal truth. And, and the reason for that, and I want really to speak to this is that because if you are giving and not receiving it will naturally slow your ability and alter your ability to give. So if you understand that you're here to be in relationship with the universe, you understand that you're here to share of your gifts, your wisdom, all that freely, then the the automatic natural reciprocation of that is to receive. And so again, detaching from outcome is not about where you're receiving it from. It's not about how you're receiving it. It's about that I'm open to receiving. I'm going to give you an example. One of my mentors during COVID was closed down for business. Uh, We run personal development, in-person personal development workshops here in Edmonton. It was kind of like, oh my God, what's going to happen with the business? Because they were specifically in person. Well, it just so happened, funny enough, businesses were closed, but the casino was not closed. And she, you know, had some time. She's like, well, I'm going to go play a few things. And she won like $68,000. Oh my goodness. No, she didn't. She did. And so it was like, oh, all of a sudden she was able to breathe, right? Because Mm. the programs wouldn't be happening. She's like, well, there you go. That's what I mean about detaching from the source, detaching from where it's coming from and understanding that if you're like, okay, universe, I, I see it now. I am here to receive, right? I'm here to receive. So you know, and so and not limiting only to money, but I'm here to receive recognition. I'm here to receive opportunity. I'm here to receive invitations. And I'm here to receive money because the more we are receiving and having our needs met, like I said, the original healers, the original medicine women and men, we were taken care of. So if now the care that we need to keep our, the roof over our head, we're not living in tribe and community like we used to. I need to keep the roof over my head. I need to make sure that I can take care of my family. I need to make sure that I can, you know, pay my bills or whatever. It's that, okay, I naturally welcome in that receiving because in order for me to naturally be able to give out what I'm here to do, this is the natural relationship and it follows universal law. So mm-hmm. it's our birthright. <laughs> it's our birthright. So, yeah. oh, so, so lovely and really, really, really revealing I think and it just takes us full circle back to being in the question right because when we ask the question we're receptive mm-hmm. so I love that being the receiving being the question so beautiful and helpful and profound it's really a cycle so what goes in mu- out must come in and I don't mean that then your money has to go out I mean you give of yourself you receive And then the last piece I want to say that because I'm almost hearing you're going to get some people questioning, but I do do that. And I don't feel like I'm receiving my worth is that about remembering that we do hold this archetype and it's called the producer archetype. And our producer archetype is directly linked between what we produce, what we put out into the world and our our net worth, our finances and our self-worth. So the relationship there is the self-worth to what we are receiving. 
So if there's anything that doesn't have you in that right relationship, meaning you feel it inside, but it's not actually showing up in the outer world, where do I need to look at my self-worth? And again, that goes back into what we talked about. Where do I need to maybe stand up for myself? Where do I maybe need to get uncomfortable and possibly even shift and move maybe jobs, careers, or whatever it is I'm doing in order to call in what I'm worthy of in the realm of like, let's say healers. I know one of their biggest challenges is, is charging or not charging too much and all these different things. And what I would say to that is when you charge, you know, what you're worth. And I, I mean, what you're worth is actually infinite, right? So let's start there. What you're worth is infinite. Mm-hmm. But if you're charging, you know, if you're, if you're, what you're charging is, is in alignment with what you feel inside on a level of worthiness, you're actually able to give more. So it, as an example, is that like, if somebody wants to, let's say have a session where they are really struggling and finances are a concern because I charge what I absolutely feels is an alignment. I absolutely have that capacity to say here, come in for a session. I, I, I get to do that freely because there's enough reciprocated coming in that it's not just like I'm exhausted. I'm trying to give and help humanity, but I'm also trying to feed my children. Like that's not what we're here to do. And so this new age is really about unplugging from this, that system, that programming and ushering in this new era, which is about being in reciprocal energy with the universe, with others, with everything. And the last little piece is that we're really also here to ignite what is natural to us. So all mm. done through force, like I, I if I want a good income, I have to go be this doesn't bring me any joy. I don't like it. You know, I feel like crap. You're going to start to see that reflected in like the finances because it doesn't, it's not lighting you up. It's not what you're here to do. So we're really here now to do what's natural to us. And, and to, when I say monetize that, I mean like to, to gain from that because the world needs what you're naturally good at. And if you can think about if everybody was living from a place of what brings them joy, the abundance is infinite for all, everybody on the planet. Everybody. Totally. Totally. And just hearing your words, I mean, the listeners will feel, isn't that exciting? Like, doesn't that, isn't that a relief? And don't you just want to run towards that vision? So I love that. And I think that people will really appreciate that elucidation. Thank you so much, Elise. You're so welcome. Mm. Mm. Elise, you are such an exquisite teacher, ritualist. Would you mind punctuating our conversation with either a closing benediction or a mini meditation or visualization today? Yeah, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Thank you. Thank you for that invite. So of creation, everything that is within us and without us. We ask that you bind together all the things and all the beings in all of the worlds. We pray for your help to bring together and unite that which appears to be split inside of us and outside of us. We place these sweet and tender wishes within the womb and sanctity of your heart, our hearts. May you wrap us in in your eternal love May you clean and offer compassion to our hardships and our wounds. 
And with the waters of forgiveness, may you heal any division that we experience with the holiness of your heart and the tenderness of your love. And may the songs of all of our hearts become the songs of our reunion. May all beings be restored to our original purity, our original blueprint, and our original state of love. May all beings rejoice in the field of praise, of joy, and may all beings be unified in infinite peace. And so it is, and so it is, and so it is. So rejuvenating your medicine, wisdom, and words. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Very honored. And thank you for asking me to be here and to share. And thank you for this beautiful conversation. Always a joy to share and um, look forward to when we connect again. And just thank you so much. And to all the listeners, we hope that we've definitely uh, supported and at least, at the very least, either planted a seed, watered a seed, or shone some light on a seed that was ready to break through the earth. So, so gorgeous. Well, Elise is so generously offering my monthly mystic members two gifts, a profound and beautifully led, love this, it's a high self-activation video, and $50 off a 90-minute soul empowerment session with Elise. That's one-on-one, correct, Elise? Yes, it is. Yes, it's one-on-one. <laughs> Amazing. So if you are currently a monthly member, enjoy these fantastic gifts. And thank you so much to those of you who are monthly members for this is what allows me to offer this podcast. If you want to support this podcast while supporting yourself and you aren't a monthly mystic member yet, head on over to my website, modernmystic.love and get my entire yoga, meditation and mystic hack video library, which is on a gorgeous and user-friendly platform and includes all sorts of phenomenal discounts and free offerings from my guests, like Elise's phenomenal gifts to you. I also offer astrological chart readings in addition to my coaching work. So to book one of those, head on over to modernmystic.love. Folks are loving these readings where you get a recorded copy of the reading afterwards, along with a picture to reference of your birth chart for the rest of your life. And I love doing these so very much. Elise, where can folks find out about your profound work and scintillating offerings? Because they really are scintillating. I was reading them and just like, ah, cliffhanger and salivating (laughs) everyone. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can definitely find me. My website is elisebrathwaite.com. I offer a monthly uh, full moon group clearing. So it's actually... Uh, so that we can actually clear our resistance to working with what's being presented, you know, with the moon energy, whatever particular moon we're working with. And um, you can also find me on Instagram at Elise underscore Brathwaite as well. And uh, yeah, there's some interesting new things coming up for the fall, a couple of workshops and, and uh, yeah, some amazing things. Yeah, I just appreciate you so much. I love the work you're doing in the world, Kakeni, and also, um, I listened to quite a few of your podcasts and was just overjoyed at the way you so beautifully interpret, you know, the astrological uh, medicine and make it digestible for people. So 
I definitely invite everybody to, to check you out there. And I just so, so, so enjoyed our time together. So thank you for the invite and for uh, giving me the opportunity to let everybody know where to find me and um, all of this beautiful medicine we've experienced here today. Well, thank you so much for that acknowledgement of the episodes and, and this work of the podcast. And you are just such a brilliant and powerful force. So thank you for your work in this world and for sharing your eloquence and your wisdom with our listeners today. Truly, truly such a gift. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up-level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention my mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests, So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.